Welcome to the Reliance Community Podcast. Worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock or 10.45 a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. How many of you love you some Jesus today? Amen. Amen. Well, it's good to have you. Happy Easter. Happy Resurrection Day. Happy Freedom Day. Happy Liberation Day. However you like to say it, it's a day of freedom. And we are so glad that you guys are with us today. Um, If you're a visitor, I know that we've got visitors in here. I know we've got family that's come with uh, uh, some other family into the place today. And we call ourselves a family, so by default, you're, you're in with our family today. And so thank you guys for coming. We are resurrection people. Amen. We are, that's like we're, we're bent on the resurrection. That's, that's our heart. That's what we're after. We can't say this enough. And so um, it's a little bit different of a weekend for us. Normally um, in the past years, we, we've grown a little bit too much. Now we're in the past years, we always used to do our big Easter egg hunt on, on, uh, on Easter Sunday. And it was absolute, we used to call it controlled chaos. And then we realized it was just chaos. Let's just call it what it is. And so we, we moved all of our Easter activities to Saturday, and it went awesome. It went awesome because normally it's snowing or raining or like 20 degrees out on Easter. And this year, God just, man, he brought great weather yesterday, and, and, and it was absolutely awesome. I just want to say thank you guys for coming out, participating in that, for those that helped. It was just, man, the gospel message was shared with kids. It was fantastic. In fact, the gospel message was shared with kids, and we had to have a fire extinguisher ready, all right? That's how awesome it was. I kid you not, they were playing with fire. It was cool. Um, We also were able to finally use the catapult. You guys, we haven't used the catapult in years. So we were chucking those plastic eggs. Shrapnel was going everywhere. It was awesome. And then we had the hot air balloon, and it it couldn't go up in the air because of the wind. And so um, we were like, I wonder what we can do. And so Lance Miller was like, I've got a 65-foot boom lift we could throw candy off of, all right? That sounds great until you realize that full-size candy bars from 65 feet are like missiles coming down. <laughs> and, and kids these days, they're working on their coordination, especially little kids. So they're down here, and you've got full-size candy bars coming, and they miss it, and it slaps them in the face. And so they're crying, and they want their candy. It was, it was a mess. But one kid in particular, I, I praise the Lord they go to the church here, and I know their family well. But she was looking up, and ring pops were falling, and she took a ring pop off the face. And it like, it like kind of cut her eye a little bit. And I'm like, oh, the stories you'll tell. Years down the road when you're swapping scar stories, you'd be like, Easter 2019, ring pop to the face, right? <laughs> I mean, who's got those stories? Knife wound, ring pop to the face. <laughs> so we, <laughs> we are so blessed that you guys came out and supported that. Thank you guys for, for doing that. Um, here, let me tell you why I'm so glad we moved it on Saturday and not today. Because now we get to make the main thing the main thing. Amen? With everything else that's going on, and, and don't get me wrong, I, I love all those activities, but we, it's not, man, we don't come to, to do Easter eggs. That's not why we're here. We want to make the main thing the main thing, and the main thing is that Easter has a purpose behind it, and that purpose is to celebrate a risen Savior. That purpose is to celebrate that Jesus has resurrection power in him. Come on, church. Amen? Like, I get that all year we should be doing that and not just on, on, on an Easter Sunday, but today, Easter, you and I, we get to celebrate that we can have new birthdays because the tomb is empty. We get new birthdays. In fact, as I get older, I don't even tell what my birthday is now. Somebody goes, how old are you? I go, I'm 20 years old in Jesus. Amen? Come on now. Like, we get to celebrate that we have new life in him. And if you're fairly new or you're a visitor today, I want you to know that we make no apologies for our passion for Jesus Christ. We believe in deep-seated intimacy with him. 
And, and that's why we're here, not to entertain, not, not to tickle ears. We want you to know what it looks like to have a love affair with Jesus, that he is our everything. And let me just say this, because we say this every year. You are not here out of coincidence. You're not here out of coincidence. You're not here because a family member invited you to be here. You are here right now because God has been working on your heart to draw you to this place in this time, in this moment. Because he has something for you. He wants to show you that he's alive. He wants to show you that he's working things out. He wants to show you that he is your life. And so you're here today because God has been drawing you. Jesus tells us in John 6, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me has drawn them. And look what he says. And I will raise them up in the last day. There's a lot of people in here today that God has drawn you into this moment so that he can raise you up in the last day. Amen. And so I just want your hearts to be in tune to what God wants to do. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He won't stop at anything. He won't stop at anything until you come to know that. And here, here's the thing. The reality is with this many people in the room, some of us have walked into this place today, and we're wondering how much longer we can go on in life like this. Some of us walked into this room today, and you're wondering, like, how much longer can, can I go on in this life just trying to survive i've got worries and i've got fears and i've got this fear of the future i have no idea what my future holds and you've got hurts and, and you've got wounds and these things absolutely grip your life all the while you're smiling out there today <clears throat> in your sunday best you're smiling out there and you know that in the depths of your heart like you're crushed right now knowing that the reality of your life is that you've got brokenness and you've got loneliness and you feel desperate and there's anger and you are here today. And you're going, why am I here today? Like, am I here today just because I got invited? Why am I here today? And I'm telling you, listen to me, I, you're here today because God wants you here. You're here today because draw, God drew you in with his initiating love. Before you ever loved him back, he drew you here today to show you that he loved you, Amen. Before you ever walked into here, cleaned yourself up and said, I'm good enough to be in church today, he first loved you. Before you ever responded back, his initiating love pursued you. And he wants to show you his peace and hope and restoration today. John, 1 John 4, 15 through 16 says this, all who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. Listen to this, church. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in what? Somebody say his love. We have put our trust in his love. I trust you, Jesus, that you love me. I trust you, God, that it's not in my efforts. I trust you, God, that even though I, I was shady last week, I trust you that you still love me. And so it says we put our trust in your love. God is love, and all who live in the love, all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. I want you to hear this today. Jesus is not repulsed by you. <laughs> Jesus is not repulsed by you, but he came to rescue you. In John 3.17, Jesus is going to say, the Son of Man did not come to condemn the world, but rather to save the world. Jesus is not looking to condemn you today. Jesus is looking to take away your condemnation. And somebody needs to let that condemnation go. There's really three things that I want to do real quickly today, because we've got some cool testimonies here in just a minute. Um, I, I want you to get three things today. Number one, Jesus is alive. Amen? Jesus is alive. In fact, he's here with us today. Clint, can you stand up real quick? Clint. Doesn't he look like Jesus? <laughs> Sorry. I literally glanced down, and the light was shining down. I'm like, whoa. 
Not really, but you're going to see Jesus in testimonies today, amen? I want you to know Jesus is alive in Clint, so therefore Jesus is alive, amen? But come on now. And then, Ben, you look like John the Baptist. I'm just saying, there's this thing going on here right now. Holy smokes. Jesus is alive. I want you to know that. Jesus is alive. The second thing I want you to know is you have freedom. Somebody say freedom. The third thing I want you to know is your testimony matters. Your testimony matters. Jesus is alive. You have freedom and your testimony matters. This is why we're here. This is why he draws us in today to peer into an empty tomb. He draws us in here today to peer into an empty tomb because so many of us have our life rooted in Jesus because we said a prayer 20 years ago that we called the sinner's prayer. And so 20 years ago, we said a prayer that somebody said, you want to know Jesus? Yeah, I want to know Jesus. Repeat after me. And so we repeated after, uh, after them the sinner's prayer. And that's our only connection to knowing that Jesus is alive. And I'm telling you, if that's where you've hung your hat on today, you've missed the resurrection power of Jesus. Amen? If it was because 20 years ago, 10 years ago, 5 years ago, somebody said, you know what, just repeat this sinner's prayer after me and then you're going to be set. I believe what scripture says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, I believe this. He says you will be saved. I get that part. There's a whole other side to this thing that we call resurrection life. We're not just talking about, I prayed it and I took my hat and I hung it on there 20 years ago and now I'm wondering why I'm just barely making it in life. We get to peer into an empty tomb, and we get to see the life so much more than that, church. Amen? Ooh, amen. I got, ooh, just a minute. I think there's some of us in here, because we've hung our hat on that moment, we haven't grasped that there's an empty tomb. See, we've, we've put our hope and our comfort in the fact that we said that prayer at some point in time, and then we've never seen the living Savior that walked out of the tomb. We just heard what somebody said, and we repeated it. And it made us feel good, and then we stopped there. And today we've got to change that. We've got to change that. Look what he says here. This is so important. Luke 24, um, it's the gospel talking about when when the women were coming to uh, the tomb, and and they encountered um, that the tomb was empty. They were going to see Jesus, and when they got there, they, they found something that was very interesting It says, they found that the stone, verse 2, they found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of our Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. They're encountering angels that are at the tomb. Listen, verse 5, the women were terrified, and they, they bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, and this is the pivotal question, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? Somebody say alive. And then, and, then, and then they says, he isn't here, he's risen from the dead. Everything that we're about in Jesus, everything that hangs in this moment of why you come to church is in this right here. Why are you looking among the dead for someone who's alive? Come on, church. He's not in there anymore. He's risen, and yet we've hung our hat on this thing that I said a sinner's prayer 20 years ago. It's time to make a change. In fact, Matthew 28, 7, this is how he says it. The women are coming, and the angel told them, and now, now that you've peered in, go quickly tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. He's going ahead of you to Galilee. Look what he says. This is key. You will see him. Somebody say, see him. You will see him there. Somebody needs to see Jesus today. Somebody needs to see Jesus today. Not having an experience where you just said a prayer a long time ago, but where the 
the Father, the God of the universe, sent his son that we could have an intimate relationship with him. This is what Easter's all about. When we peer into that empty tomb, it's empty because Jesus is alive today. This is Resurrection Sunday. In fact, sometimes we idolize Easter so much. We put, we put all of this idolatry into Easter and we forget about who it's all about. We make it about a Sunday and not about a lifestyle of what Jesus has brought to us in him. And this is why so many of us feel stuck. Why so many of us feel stuck. We're not looking into an empty tomb where we've encountered a living king. We're, we're looking into a tomb that we simply said some words a long time ago. And we're not hanging on the fact that he's alive and that we get to encounter him on a daily basis. That's what makes Easter and Resurrection Sunday so pivotal. Everything hangs in the balance of these two words, life and death. Everything. Everything that we do hangs in the balance of these two words, life and death. And in John 14, 19, Jesus says, soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. Somebody say live. Since Jesus lives, you also will live. And when I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. You mean, here's how you're going to know that Jesus is alive. Here's how I'm going to prove it to you today. I'm going to prove to you today that Jesus is alive because he's alive in each one of us. And he has a testimony in each one of us, and he's doing something in each one of us. But here's the problem and I have to address this every Easter because I feel like it's our opportunity with everybody in here. What we love to do, if you're new, this is a theme for us a lot. It, it, we, we, what we love to do as Christians when we come into Christ is we love to, to get caught up in believing that the greatest problem with humanity is we just have immoral behaviors. Like the greatest problem that we struggle through is that I just, I have some immoral things in my life. And so I don't necessarily need a savior. I just got to change the immoral behaviors in my life. And so what we do is, is, is when we say that I, got, I just got to fix my immoral behaviors, what we're simply saying is that we don't need Jesus. We don't need a savior anymore. We don't need Jesus to die on the cross. I just need to do better. I just got to do better. And so the problem with saying this is that if, if I've got a lust issue or an anger issue, is that if I just start working on my lust issue or my anger issue, that I'm going to fix me. And you know this better than anybody, is that you can work on one thing and 10 more issues are lined up behind it. Amen. Like, I can work on my anger issue all day long and feel like, man, I have made it today. And then life slaps you in the face. You're like, I got to work on my pride. And then you work on your pride. And then all of a sudden, you've got all these other things. And so our whole life, we'll sit here and try to fix immoral behavior. We'll try to fix whatever immorality we have in us. And the reality is we'll never beat it. And we need Jesus. <laughs> and so we'll sit here and we'll strive and we'll try and we'll try and at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter because we need Jesus. We're trying to fix symptoms, and the root issue is we need Jesus. We need the tomb to be empty. Let me just tell you, churches are packed with people working on symptoms rather than treating the disease. Amen? And this is why we wonder why we can never walk in freedom. Why we can never fully grasp the freedom that God has. Because there's always something else that's just going to take the place of whatever it is that we're working on. Change this behavior, something else. Change this behavior, something else. Change. If we could just lock eyes, lock eyes with the empty tomb. Just lock eyes with the empty tomb and see that he's alive. It changes everything. And so he's alive. Let me, number two, I told you, I want you to know that you are free today. Somebody say free. 
listen, the curse was broken. Listen to this account in Matthew of what happened at the cross when Jesus gave his last breath and he cried out three words, it is finished in Matthew 27, 51. At that moment, after he cried out, it is finished. At that moment, it says the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two. God says, I'm no longer bound by you any longer. Not that he was to begin with, amen? He's like, I'm gonna be in every single one of you. Listen, and then it says, the earth shook, rocks split apart, tombs opened up, the bodies of many godly men and women who had once died were raised from the dead. The Roman officers and soldiers of the crucifixion said, this man truly was the son of God. Let me just tell you, I've done a lot of funerals and I've been to a lot of funerals and I've never seen dead people getting up and walking around all over, amen? And here's what Jesus is saying, at his death and at his resurrection, when he cried out in his last breath at his death, it is finished. All of a sudden, these things that once held us down, the curse that once held us down, the curse of death that once held us down was broken in the name of Jesus, amen? But he wasn't done. (laughs) You ever wondered um, why Jesus then goes into the tomb for three days? You're like, man, if he died on Friday, why didn't he just come out on Saturday? Saturday seems like a good day, right? And it wasn't so that we could have church on Sundays. That's not why it was. Jesus goes in the tomb. He's not in there for a day or two days or three. He's in there for three days because now there's work to be done. The curse has been broken. And now Jesus is going to storm the gates of hell and take the keys back from the enemy that you and I can have freedom in this place today. Amen? Let let me tell you something. Do Do you remember when Peter's confession... Do you remember when the Lord says, who do you say I am? And all of a sudden saying, oh, some say that, you know, you're, you're John the Baptist. Some say that you're Elisha. And then Jesus says, who do you say I am? And Peter says, you are Christ. You are the Messiah. You are Lord. You are the Son of God. And then Jesus goes, man, with that statement that you just said, Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Do you remember that? Jesus says, I will build my church. You won't build the church. I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. Who's he talking about? He's talking about himself. Jesus not only ascended, he descended, and he went and he kicked down the gates of hell. Amen? Took back the keys, gave us freedom. And now some of us live in this room right now, we're always going like, oh, man, today and this week I've just been facing hell. I've just, no, you haven't. Jesus faced hell. Amen? And he beat it, and he defeated it, and he won it back. And now we turn our face from saying, I'm facing hell, and we face Jesus, and we defeat hell. Amen, church? We're not kicking down the gates. He kicked down the gates. And this is what resurrection is all about, that he came to give you freedom. Jesus has the authority. It is finished. It wasn't a conceding defeat. He didn't say, it is finished. I'm conceding. He says, it is finished. Victory is mine. Now you find yourself in me. This is the resurrection story. This is where we find rest in him. Easter takes off the blindfold, lifts the veil. If it reveals what the enemy fights so hard to keep us from, victory in Jesus. 2 Corinthians says this, whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. The veil is taken away for the Lord is the spirit and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Um, Thursday, we got a group of people, we gathered around the church. And we just started praying through rooms and things. And as we got to those sanctuary doors, here was our prayer. We said, God, when people walk through those doors, would they just see that the veil will be lifted in their life? Literally every person that walked through these doors, man, I just believe this for you. Like we prayed over the doors. You may be like, what do you mean you prayed over the doors? Like we said, God, when they walk through these doors, would you take the veil and lift it off where they can see you? Not hang on an experience of praying a sinner's prayer 20 years ago but where they see the living, breathing God of the universe in their life today. Freedom 
is why the Lord came. Somebody needs to hear that Jesus is alive today. And the third thing is our testimony. It's one of our favorite things. He says in Revelation 12, 10 through 11, it has come to, it has come at last, salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and authority of his, of his Christ for the accuser. Now, when they talk about the accuser, they're talking about Satan. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth and the one who accuses them before our God day and night. And they have defeated, somebody say defeated. They have defeated him by the blood of the lamb. Let me stop there for a minute. Without the cross, we don't beat Satan. They have defeated him by the blood of the lamb, what Jesus did. But isn't it always interesting that he adds this second part? They've defeated him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. You see, because this is where we get to see that Jesus is alive, that he went and he died on the cross, and now he's living inside of each one of us. And so when we see each one of us living out the life of Jesus, we get to see Jesus alive. This is why testimonies are so powerful, a living testimony of a living encounter with a living God. Your testimony matters. We see Jesus inside each one of us. And this is why Paul says, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Christ in me, the hope of glory. And so today somebody needs to know that this is your testimony. Your testimony is that you get to encounter into a tomb. You get to look in and see that the tomb is empty. And you get to see a living Savior, not only in your life, but in other people's lives. You have a testimony that's powerful. Jesus is alive. He set you free. And your testimony matters. In just a moment, I'm going to show this testimony video and here's what I want you to see Jesus has something for your life in your brokenness and in your despair and in your trouble and in your trials and in your tribulation Jesus is working things out and these testimonies that you're about to hear will show you that Jesus is alive will you show those So I grew up in your typical Christian home. I knew all the Bible stories. I knew exactly what I was supposed to do when I grew up, when I became a husband, everything. I, I met the girl of my dreams in middle school. We dated all through high school. We got married right afterwards, and everything was great. Um, through that time, though, I had started looking at pornography and through my own selfish desires and pride of being able to keep it under control, I didn't tell anyone about it. It was a part of my life that not even God needed to know about. And through that, just continuing to the pressures of normal life, uh, I needed more. I needed an escape. I needed to have me time where I didn't have to be the good husband, I didn't have to be the good father, I didn't have to be the good Christian. And through that me time, uh, just more and more depravity came out of it. It turned into infidelity and verbal abuse and even led to alcoholism. Um, after 13 years of marriage, uh, my pastor sat me down and told me that he, he knew about one incident, and it was at that point I decided to come clean to my wife. 
and I didn't tell her just about that one incident. I told her about the past 13 years of everything that I had done, and it changed everything. Everything I knew was broken and shattered. This identity that I had of our lives, of being a wife, of being me, was completely gone. Um, there I was, a single mom, trying to take care of my kids and trying to come to grips with this very harsh reality of what my life really was. I had believed the fantasy that that we had this perfect marriage, that everything was good, um, and it all just shattered. My marriage was dead. Everything I knew was no more. And all I remember thinking is, I want it back. I want to be me again. I want peace. Hi, my name is Logan. Uh, while my husband and I were praying for another baby, God gave me a promise in a verse. In Psalm 147, verse 13, he spoke to me, for he has strengthened the authority of your gates. He even blesses you with more children. Very soon after I heard God speak this promise over us, I found out I was expecting a baby. We were so excited and started planning all sorts of things because our family was expanding. But then suddenly when I was seven weeks along, I had a miscarriage. We prayed, we begged God to save the baby and still we lost him or her. In the midst of our prayers, we confessed that we trusted God even though this horrible thing happened. Because we know that God is good and faithful to his promises, we are confident and waiting. It has been hard to raise a hallelujah, but we will cling to God and his promise that more children still remains in the midst of this storm. Good morning, my name is Macy Relihan. Um, I was honest with the last service, so I'll be honest with you guys. I had this written down because I'm a planner and I'm sure my husband will say amen to that. Um, but God showed me just over this last week and last night that it's his plan and not mine. Um, I have three kiddos and two out of the three, I struggled with postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety. Um, it is a guilt and shameful time, um, but God has shown me that instead of reading self-help books or articles or whatever I want to consume my mind with, that I just need to open up his word and cling to that, and that's the most power. And so today he, and for the rest of my life, he'll be showing me um, through him that I have hope and peace, and I will raise a hallelujah to that. Good morning, my name is Steve Roth, and last September I was diagnosed with cancer. My initial thought was to not tell a lot of people, uh, because I'm a very private person and I don't like being the center of attention. In fact, uh, earlier this week, Aaron texted me to come up here and do this, and I told him no three times. And I said, uh, there's absolutely no way I'm getting up here and doing this. So, um, but if you know Aaron, he can be very, very persistent. 
So I think a lot of times uh, God, either through himself or through other people, are uh, he's telling us to, uh, to go up and do things. And I think a lot of times we just don't listen. So, uh, so anyway, back to uh, as far as telling people, if you know my wife, she can be very, very persistent. And uh, she told me, do I want a, just a handful of people praying for me or do I want hundreds and hundreds of people praying for me? So thankfully I listened and we told all, you know, a lot of people. So uh, for the last six months I've had just so many people praying for me and there were, I remember there were times, there were specific times where I was in a lot of pain where we asked for uh, just relief from some of that pain and it just seemed like there was always instantly that uh, there was some sort of pain relief. So, uh, and for the last month, I've been uh, cancer-free. Morning, uh, morning. my name is Travis. Um, I just wanted to speak to identity real quick. Um, about a month ago, Aaron was in part of his sermon talking about um, power of words and how they can affect people positively and negatively. And, um, growing up, I was uh, around my teenage years, junior high, high school, um, I was bullied quite a bit. Um, kind of, you know, on off, but pretty much on a daily basis. Um, picked on, made fun of, the kind of stuff that will cut you to the core. Um, and, and Aaron also said in that sermon, he's, he said, we teach our kids nowadays, the sticks and stones will break your bones, the whole thing. Um, looking back at that stuff, there was times where I would have taken sticks and stones over words on, quite often. Um, so that, that really jacked with my identity. I mean, brought it down, my self-esteem, my self-confidence, my self-worth were just, you know, non-existent. And so, um, as I aged, I, I started finding that identity elsewhere. That identity was found in the nightlife. It was found in drug use, which led to a drug addiction, which turned into alcohol use, which turned into alcoholism, which um, nearly took me out a couple years ago, um, literally. And I have Aaron and Lance, and I mean, a ton of you people out there in the audience that know this, that, that helped and stepped up and encouraged me. And that, that's where words can be powerful as well, where they came back in and built me up and introduced me to Jesus. I didn't grow up in the church. I didn't have a relationship with Christ. And, um, and I have that now and I don't have that other crap to deal with. And, and that's where my identity lies now. And, and that's my hallelujah. My name is Shelly. And as I stand here today, I am amazed at the love of Jesus. It wasn't long ago I found myself just living life the best I can, trying to do my best, striving each day. Then something happened. I began to encounter God's love. I began to hunger for more of Him and less of me. The earthly things in life that once made me jealous, envious, depressed was gone. I saw I didn't want to just live but I wanted to live abundantly. So I prayed and I believed. The more we plugged in, 
the more I saw Jesus work. He worked through my husband and God's love poured out of my children. Today I raise a hallelujah because my family stands on our firm foundation in Jesus Christ. My name is Jerron. I've spent most of my life as a Christmas and Easter Christian. Many years, it wasn't even that. I came to church and I sang the songs and I listened to the sermons, but I never truly understood. Last year, my family and I started coming to Reliance. And it wasn't long before the question was not whether we were coming to church or not, but which service. Then my wife and I joined the joined a life group. We started a Foundations Bible study. And slowly all of my worldly armor was being torn away. We enrolled in the XO Marriage Conference, and I just thought that Shelly and I were happy in life before now. Our marriage, my life, was rooted in this world. But it was at that conference that the Holy Spirit ripped me wide open. I felt to love like I've never known. I gave my I gave my life to Jesus Christ that day. I raised a hallelujah. Hi, my name is Sushi Ann, but I go by Suo Sushi. And um, I wasn't planning on being very vulnerable today. And God was like, 3.50 a.m., wake up, you gotta talk. So we did that and I was like, okay, I'll be as vulnerable as I can. And I remember one time watching a sermon and it told us how to, we need to get out of our comfort zone. So when I was talking to God this morning, I was like, okay. So I was diagnosed with um, end stage renal disease, like in 2015 and I started dialysis in 2016. And I was doing that three times a week. And I had get so like frustrated and, and angry with God to where I was like, okay, Lord, I'm not doing this anymore. Um, I've gave you a time limit and whew, it's passing it, God. So let's speed this up. So, but I walked out and I walked out on God and I walked out on dialysis and nurses and doctors used to call and be like, well, you have to do this. Or are you going to die? And I was like, nah, we're not doing that. And I was talking to God um, one day and he was telling me how impatient I was. And I was like, but God, you know, there's a time limit that I gave and I didn't want to do this anymore. And he was like, no, like you're so impatient. You need to be patient. You need to take up your pride and take all that shame off and just go back and just listen to me. And I did that. And last year I got a kidney. Well, I was placed on the transplant list like on Thursday in less than 24 hours, they called me the Friday morning. I was like, we have a kidney for you and you're a match and it's time to go. And I was like, thank you, God. I raise a hallelujah to that because this month I will be six months out. one night where I was lying awake and God asked me, what do you want? And I, 
told him I wanted to be happy again. I wanted my family again. And he asked me, what if that doesn't happen? What if Angie can't forgive you? And what if you never see your kids again? And this was partway through my journey. And I had to decide what was more important, God or anything else that the world could offer, including my family. And I thought about it and I cried and I told God that I wanted him above all else. Because if there was anything else in my life that was above him, I would fall back and I would fail again. God had every intention of taking Casey like a stone and dropping him in the water and causing this ripple effect. And I was gonna be the first one that got hit by those waves. Um, God was asking me to change my identity, to look into my own life and, and make sure that the sins that I had created, the, the past identities that I had formed were all wiped clean and I set myself new on him. And from that point, God was going to continue with that ripple effect out to our children and our friends and our families. And he was going to start something new. got to see the greatest ripple effects of God's love come through in, in Casey. What used to be a very selfish, me-centered life that he had where the kids and I had to kind of tiptoe around him changed. He became this servant leader in our family. He became invested in the things that the kids and I needed him to be involved in. Our, our marriage became something so much greater than it ever could have been on our own because it had God as the head of it. But today isn't just a story about a resurrected marriage or a redeemed man. It's a story about a risen king who we have the joy and the honor to call father because he calls us his very own possession. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are not like that. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. From God's goodness, he shone his wonderful light into all the dark places. And on that cross, he paid for all of my sins. And we have the ability 
to show others his goodness through our testimony, through the hard times, through the darkness that he has called us out of. And we can show everybody his wonderful light as he is our risen king. Thanks for listening today. If you want to find out how to get involved, go to reliancecommunity.org.